I was walking around Rockefeller um, Center this uh, week. My daughter, my niece, and my son, they invited me to um, go shopping with them. In our house, in our house, my wife hates shopping, and I, get this, love shopping. Really, I do. I go, oh my gosh, did you try this dress? Try it on. Oh, that works with your eyes. Like, I'm that guy. It's terrible. It's terrible. I know. And so, so they invited me, and we were having just a wonderful time. And we, we walk uh, across Rockefeller um, Center. We were in different parts of Manhattan, and there's this image of Atlas. Anybody seen this image of Atlas? on Rockefeller Center. And so, and if you know the story of Atlas, Atlas is a Titan, Titan who was uh, punished for his bad behavior. And the punishment was to hold up the world, I mean, the skies, the universe. Like it, that was Titan's punishment. That was his punishment. And so we're walking by and my son sees it and it's like a just beautiful, really fantastic statue. And he goes, um, my son said, what's that? I said, oh, that's an early picture of me. And um, he's like, really? I was like, yeah, I was posing, you know. <laughs> Not really. I told him this story about Atlas, and it got me to thinking that it's not just the story of Atlas, it's the story of me. That I had spent all of my life thinking that I can hold up the universe, that I can deal with all the circumstances of my life in relationships, at work, with my finances, that I had to get it done, and that I had to make it happen, and that I had to be the king of my soul. And the weight of the world was on my shoulders. If this church was going to be healthy, it was up to me. If my marriage was going to succeed, it's up to me. If my kids were going to turn out less than, you know, uh, if my kids were going to turn out um, like wonderful uh, additions to society, it was up to me. The world was I, was, the, I was the king of my life. And the world was on my shoulders. And it was weighing me down. I wonder if I'm the only one here who has lived most of his life like this. Where relationships and romance, it's up to you. You got to make it happen. So you better get to it, girl. Do what you got to do. Sacrifice your morals. Make it happen, but you got to do it. And the money, you got to make the money. And so yeah, do what you got to do, man. Ignore your kids, work your overtime, make sure that you get everything done. Make sure that you have all of the resources. It's a career, it's up to you. Everything is up to you. Today's message is important because I wanna to talk to kings and queens who need to be dethroned. I wanna to talk to atlases who are holding the world on your shoulders and it's grinding your bones to a pulp. I wanna to talk to you youth who think that you have to control everything in terms of your popularity and your friendship and your Facebook and your, well, the kids don't use Facebook, only us old people use Facebook, but like, you know, your Instagram, your social networks and all that other stuff, right? I say, I just wanna to talk to you and I want you to, I wanna to communicate to you 
that you don't have to hold the world on your shoulders. And if you're being crushed by it, I want you to know. I want you to know you don't need to be crushed by it no more. There are two images that we're going to be working from. Today, I don't have points for you. I have images for you. And the first image is the image of holding the world in your hands. Everything is up to you. If you live like that, oh my. Not only will it be crushing, but boy, your body will let you know. Ulcers, stomach problems, can't sleep. Your body will let you know because it's crushing you. It's weighing you down. That brings us to what today is all about. Palm Sunday. Today is all about the king coming into the city. The king who rides on a donkey and comes in peace. The king who says there is another that can rule your soul. There's another that can hold up your world. There's another that can make sure that you'll be all right. That story is found in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. Would you just stand with me? We stand in reverence to God when we read the scriptures. The reason we do that is, of course, we want to remind our bodies that the scriptures that we're going to read have an authority in our lives that we don't. And so, read this. Well, I'll read this um, for you. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting. Let's, let's say this together. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found the young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Everyone, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And this ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. Jesus has just performed one of his greatest miracles. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus wasn't dead for like a minute or a half hour or an hour. Lazarus was dead for three days. Jesus came by, um, told the people, cried with the people who were there, mourning the loss of this, their beloved Lazarus. And then a few minutes later, he told Lazarus to come forth. Lazarus 
in a miraculous way. What would you do if your brother, your sister, your mother had died? We're in the morgue, in the refrigerator. Then, three days later, are in the casket and in the, in the um, memorial service. Jesus walks down and says, get up. And they do. You'd lose your mind. These people lost their minds. They're following Jesus. It's the Passover. And so there's this festival that they're having. And as they're having this festival, Jesus is coming in. And he recognizes that as he comes in, this is important, he declares and makes a statement. They're waiting for someone and he's showing them who he is. Now, I hear the buzzing too. I want you to stay focused as much as you can, okay? We're going to stick together on this. Jesus comes in and it says this. The next day, the great crowd, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting. Now, they took palm branches. Let me give you a little history lesson. So in, uh, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament is called a period. It's called the period of the Maccabees. So what happened was, is the ruling authority went to the temple and they desecrated the temple. Something like took a pig into the temple. This was a big no-no for the Jewish people. And there were these, these people, the Maccabees, uh, Judas Maccabee and Simon Maccabee and the people that were with him. And they revolted against the powers. And it was an impossible, it was like, it was like this massive, massive ruling army against this small little Jewish tribe, but they were on fire and they literally defeated the, the powers that were there. They defeated them and then they came in and everybody was so excited, they were celebrating with palm branches. And that day, I can't remember if it was Simon or uh, Judas, was declared king. So now, fast forward, Jesus. Interestingly enough, something like six or seven of Jesus's followers were named after Maccabees. They had Simon, they had Judas, and others. Interesting. So you could see Jesus as uh, coming in with his disciples, six of which, five or six of which, are, are named after the Maccabees. People are waiting for Jesus to throw down. You see, they need a king, and they want a king to respond to their lives and their needs the way they want their king to respond to their lives and their needs. And so what they think they need is they need a warrior, a guy who's going to come in and destroy everything and everyone and make it happen. So they're expecting someone to come in on a war horse or maybe a chariot. And Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. They say this to him. They say, Hosanna! 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 Hosanna is only used once. It's interesting, right? You know what uh, Hosanna in English, you know where the word came from? It's a transliteration 
of the Greek word Hosanna. In other words, they didn't change. It's almost like um, it's like uh, if you're Spanish, right? How do you say closet in Spanish? Anybody know? Closet. Yeah, that's the creative Spanish word for for closet. It's a transliteration. There's no difference, right? Like so. So, oh my gosh, you didn't know you were gonna get a Spanish lesson here today. You're welcome. Okay, so it's it's a transliteration, but it's just like that. It's a transliteration of the Greek word Hosanna. But you know what the Greek word Hosanna comes from? Do you know where that comes from? It's a transliteration of the Hebrew word or Hebrew phrase Hoshana. And it means this. Save us. Now the only people who scream save us are the people who are in a serious problem. Nobody screams, save us, right? Like if you're in a pool and you're having, and you're playing uh, beach uh, pool volleyball, you're not screaming, save us. You're just playing volleyball. But if you're in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning, you don't care. You scream, save me, save us. People who know that they're in trouble. By the way, if you want the king to reign in your heart, you're going to first have to recognize this one truth that you die need saving now if you some of us hey let's face it you got your life you're like atlas let's go back to that you are atlas you got this whole world on your shoulders and you got hey listen you don't have a problem they have a problem you don't have an issue they have an issue you you make it happen you make and the consequences of your life are just what you got to go through for what you got to go through and that's why so many of you can use for so long there's a bunch of you here who have been drinking for decades, have been using heroin for decades, who have been smoking crack for decades or popping pills for decades, and you've been using, and it's like, no, 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 don't you see? It's just how I want to run. My, I'm controlling everything. And there are others of you who are success-minded, and your career is the thing that you run to, and, and for decades you've run to that. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? Only the people who need a king cry out to a king and say, save us. Which one are you? Do you got it all together? Do you, are, are you too good to be saved? They scream out first, save us. We know we in it. Save us. Yeah. And then they say, and by the way, that comes only one time in the Old Testament in Psalm 118, verse 25. And then they, they quote the rest of the verse. It's blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. I love that. Because they recognize that Jesus is not just coming in the name of the Lord. He is the king. Do you see the two? He's not just coming in the name of the Lord. See, like you can come in my name, but you ain't me. Jesus is coming in the name of the Lord, but he's also king. He's also Lord. There cannot be two kings on the throne. There can only be one. And then Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as written. And it says this, and this is important. It says two things that I want you to open your eyes to see. It says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. This is a quotation from Zechariah 9.9. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Three things I want you to see here. Number one, don't be afraid. 
Many of us don't ask Jesus to save us because we're afraid. They were afraid to. See, here's the thing. They wanted a king, a king that would come and behave the way they wanted him to behave. They wanted a, a, a general. He wasn't going to give them that. So they say, don't be afraid. Don't fear. And there's reason for that, right? Because the fact is, is that we want Jesus to come into our lives. Some of us do. But we would like this part of our lives for Jesus not to meddle with. Do you know what I mean when I say this? Like, I would like very much for Jesus to deal with everything that's on top of this. But what's on top of here? No, please don't. I'll handle this. I got this on my own. We go. Our sexuality, we go, no, 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 no. That's me, Jesus. Would you just help me with my depression? My depression, I would like for you to help me with. My sexuality, not so much. Jesus, could you help me with my finances? My finances, I would like a little help with my finances. But, you know, not so much with my bank account. Not the way I spend my money. Not the way I do my finances. Give me more money, but don't tell me what to do with that money. Tithe? Oh, now you're meddling, Jesus. Don't want to do that. He tells him, don't be afraid. And the reason he tells him, don't be afraid, is because we're afraid to have someone other than us rule our lives. And they were too. And then it says this, this quote from Zechariah, verse chap, uh, chapter 9. It says, see, your king is coming. Open your eyes. Behold, there is a great, great truth. Your king is coming, and he's coming for you. He loves you. And your grimy is not so great that he can't love you still. And the, and the pit that you dug yourself in is not so great that he can't love you still. And then it goes on to say, at first his disciples did not understand all this. And of course they didn't. His disciples were doing Whatever Jesus told them to do, getting the, the donkey, making sure that it was ready, coming in. But they had no idea. It was only looking back that they could see, oh, now I recognize what Jesus has been doing in our lives the whole time. I wonder if that's not your story too. You go, I don't know why the painful thing that happened in your life, I don't know why it happened. The struggle that you've had for all these years, I don't know why you struggled with it. The difficulty that you suffer with, I don't know why you suffer with, but it's when you come to Christ, you look back in Christ and you go, oh, I see what he's been doing this whole time. And so, beloved, I have two pictures to offer you. A life where you hold the world in your hands, where you, where you hold the world on your shoulders, where you're crushed by the weight of all the responsibilities of your world, where you have to make yourself strong enough and ready enough and capable enough to run your life. But interestingly enough, in that same Rockefeller Center, they have this image directly across the street. I mean, like directly across the street. It's one of the most beautiful churches you've ever seen. It's St. Peter's. Have you ever seen St. Peter's? It's dope. It's dope. St. Peter's right across the street. St. Patrick's. Okay. Did I say St. Peter's? 
I think it's St. Peter, but let's say St. Patrick, because they said St. Patrick. Okay. So, if it's St. Peter's, I was right all along, okay? Okay. Okay, directly across the street. Directly across the street, there's this really, really pretty church building. And in, listen to me, listen to me. This is important because it's, it, it's, 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 I think, the choice that we have before us. If you go into the doors of that beautiful building and you look into the beautiful, well, go into the building, you'll find an image. And the image is this. It's that of Jesus. Notice what's in his hand. It's the whole world. You see? Here's the choice. Either you hold the weight of your world on your shoulders as it crushes you, or you let Jesus hold your world in the palm of his hand. It's like no big deal. And so my question to you is, what are you going through that's too great for Jesus? I'm telling you, for you, it's crushing for Jesus. It's a, it's a ball to juggle. It's no big deal. But you got to let the king in. you got to let the king in. 